Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth, the world stage, uh, finding Christ in cinema, uh, finding certain spiritual themes in the movies uh, we watch. This is what Wednesday evening is about. And uh, as it is Wednesday evening, I have Father Mike Ritter with me in studio. So, Father Mike, we're just going to jump right in this evening. Sounds <laughs> good, sounds good. Great to have you with me another evening. Thanks, Joe. You know, part of the reason why we are going to jump right in is because, well, you and I both watched Dunkirk last night, and because we didn't watch it together, we actually got through the movie, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is a little different than what we've been doing two weeks ago. It was The Greatest Showman last week. Uh, La La Land, and both of those uh, podcasts were well-received. This evening, we have a war movie, Dunkirk, a movie that was uh, deeply intriguing for many reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, I sat down with my wife to watch it, and we were about 15 to 20 minutes in, and she kind of looks at me and says, "Uh, "Hun, what the heck is this about? What's (laughs) going on? I'm lost, because... Part of the intrigue of the movie that we're going to talk about, Father Mike, is that it doesn't have those typical scenes that movies have. Right. The first few minutes has some gunfire, but all is quiet. It doesn't give you any handles. No, it, it really doesn't. It's well put. It really doesn't. So it, it has you asking questions. And so the question my wife posed, I'll pose here this evening and we'll answer, what was Dunkirk? Well, In his famed uh, We Shall Fight on the Beaches speech in 1940, uh, Winston Churchill called uh, Dunkirk a miracle of deliverance, uh, praising the remarkable evacuation of over 300,000 British and French troops from the beach and harbor at Dunkirk. So Dunkirk was a beach, it was a harbor. Uh, Now, initially, it was thought that uh, the Germans would reach the beach within two days, allowing time for only 45,000 troops. Uh, I believe Father Mike Winston Churchill said, make sure you get 30,000 troops. Mm. I can't remember what the movie actually talked about, whether it was 30 or 45,000, but thanks to a combination, we could say, of German confusion and certainly what the movie highlighted, uh, allied bravery from the least expected man, enough British and French troops were saved to uh, see out the rest of the war, which numbered, again, over 300,000. I think the actual tally was uh, 338,000. So pretty remarkable, Father Mike, when you put that in relation to what was expected from Churchill, right? Not 30 or 45,000, but 330,000. Now, I think an important question for us also to ask is, why were they on the beach in the first place? Mm. Right? This is part of my wife's question. So... If we can kind of get uh, the map of Western Europe in our head, after Germany invaded Poland in 1939, the British sent in troops to defend France. However, as Nazi Germany moved forward into Belgium and the Netherlands in May of 1940, the Allies made what Winston Churchill called a colossal mistake, a near-fatal error. The French-German border 
was defended by a series of barriers and weapons called the Maginot Line. The Maginot Line, this is a famous line. But the area uh, due north of the Maginot Line was not blocked uh, because, well, there was such heavy and dense forest, the Brits and the, the French just thought that the Germans couldn't make it through, uh, that they thought that the forest was too thick to require a heavy defense. But the Germans found a way through. And ultimately, marching around the back of the Allies in France and forcing them over into Belgium, where they were ultimately uh, faced with more Germans to the north. All of this led to the only option left, which was to retreat to Dunkirk, this beach, uh, this harbor, so as to take them back to England. Now, with the majority of Britain and France's entire armies in one area, uh, surrounded by the Germans, Certainly, as many historians have talked about it, this really could have been, Father Mike, a turning point of the war. And then, for reasons that many historians have speculated, for some reason, uh, Hitler uh, ordered his troops to halt. If he didn't, history probably would have been different. Um, as one who has studied World War II in great detail, I might suggest it would have been different, but uh, in the end... Father Mike, uh, the Allies were gifted with time, naval ships, vehicles, passenger ferries, uh, fishing boats, all of which the, the movie captures, yachts, uh, and boats owned simply for pleasure were assembled. Even a handful of civilians joined the mission sailing out into the English Channel voluntarily. And uh, over the course of those nine days, supported by British planes overhead, which again, I think will be a, something we talk about because some of those pilots, I think, Capture the imagination of, of both you and I, Father Mike. These ordinary men were able to rescue most of the troops. Now, the reality of Dunkirk is twofold. That yes, in the words of Winston Churchill, it was a colossal military disaster where over 100,000 troops were lost. Yes, 330 were saved, but over 100,000 were lost. But also, in the words of Winston Churchill, while wars are not won by evacuation, he says... It is hard not to see Dunkirk as one of those pivotal moments in World War II. Yeah, this is a great introduction. We were uh, talking in the coffee shop, as we often do, about about the history, um, the significant history that kind of teased this movie up. Um, in particular, I was sharing with you, I'd watched that movie uh, In the Darkest Hour, mm. or whatever it is, which yes. is that story yeah. of Winston Churchill. And if you haven't seen it, it kind of in dramatic fashion plays out some of the strategy and the the decision making in terms of this decision to enlist the uh, the uh, help of a civilian fleet. What's striking though about this movie, as uh, you know, a spectator, is that all of that necessary history is totally absent. Yeah, yeah. And and the movie kind of opens up with a bit of a firefight, and then these thousands of troops on the beach. It doesn't have much by way of dialogue, by much of way of, uh, by way of fighting, as you'd expect in a war movie. You have a couple of uh, strafing aircraft and bomb dropping and whatnot, but it really does focus on uh, this experience of retreat, and and that to me is is brought to a head at the at the very end when kind of the the only really key of a handful of key players really in the movie that two main characters make it back. And uh, somebody's handing out porridge or some some kind of soup or something, and he says, "Well done." And the troop, the, the soldier says, "Well, all we did was survive." Mm -hmm. And he says, "That's enough." Mm -hmm. 
And that really is the paradigm, which you mentioned about uh, Churchill's comments. You know, it's hard to speak of a retreat as a victory, and yet it's hard not to acknowledge the victory of it. it. For me, that this movie taken a little bit out of the explicit expression of its historical context just opens up for me the larger question of war and asks for me the question, is war ever a victory? You know, uh, wh where there are uh, such colossal losses on either side and when when violence becomes necessary to uh, achieve even a very justified end, isn't war always a loss? Isn't it always kind of a question of survival? Uh, so, so for me, that, that movie, uh, this movie, played that drama out in, in somewhat dramatic fashion. Yeah, and I think no matter where or how one responds to that question, the one thing that is drawn out in this movie is that uh, people are affected mm -hmm. in war. Yeah. This element of quiet heroism. Yeah, the movie was very quiet, and yet there were heroic moments. Uh, there's, in the opening scene, the main character, he goes back to help a man who's dying to, to get him on the boat, uh, and he didn't have to do that. You know, bombs are dropping all around him, and nothing was said, very little dialogue. That's what's interesting. You know, I didn't notice that about this movie until you mentioned it this morning that, oh, you know, or we were talking this morning that very little is said. Yeah, very little is said. And so you have heroism, but because very little was said, the quiet heroism mm -hmm. is drawn out. You're made to reflect upon just not one, but also the other. And this, I think, brings in the discussion of valor. Mm -hmm. What is valor? Well, valor is just not courage, but courage under fire. Mm. And just not an act for the good, but an act that comes from an interior place. Yeah. He didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to go with his new friend that he found there on the beach to take him to the boat. He could have just stayed on the beach, and maybe he would have survived. They were just waiting for these ferries, for these yachts, for these, these ships to come and take them back to England. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to go and, and save this man, yet he did. Yeah. Uh, I think we are so drawn to war movies, Father Mike, because in, in many ways we see the good versus the evil. World War II has a pronounced good versus evil. The, the lines are clear. Yet again, in this movie... That's not the point of emphasis. Clearly, they are in the middle of a war. They are on a front. But there's another dynamic playing out, and that dynamic is that quiet heroism. So uh, we're made to focus in on it in maybe a different way. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that, that emphasis on the quiet heroism, as you call it, really is the, the great thematic element here because this movie is odd in the sense that, okay, you and I, we know the history, um, but simply from the perspective of the movie, that, that information isn't really given you. Know, we talked about the facelessness of the enemy in this movie. You never really see them. It's never really talked about. There's nobody... Uh, we don't see the other side. It's just kind of the faceless, somewhat anonymous enemy forces that have, you know, that have opened us up into this situation. And the main thrust or focus on the movie has to do with the heroic acts that, that drive the inside of this context. You talked about what's happening on the beach. There's the heroism of the civilian sailor with his son mm -hmm. who is, doesn't have to go out into danger to save people, but the whole movie he's there trying to save people, pull them out of the water and so forth. 
you have the heroism of the pilot who is running out of fuel. And, you know, he has to make this decision. Do I save myself and turn back? And time and again, he uh, ultimately sacrifices himself uh, to do this heroic thing and and, uh, save his fellow soldiers. And so really, um, that to me is is really the thematic focus of the movie, the context being war. But uh, this, I think the great appeal for the movie or some of the most moving parts have to do with uh, those expressions of great heroic selflessness. Great heroic selflessness within the context of the quiet. Right. I think that's the most important thing for me, Father Mike. Within the context of the quiet, when the pilot is flying towards Dunkirk, Mm -hmm. he has to make this interior decision to keep on going. He has someone in his ears telling him he only has so much time because he only has so many miles, you know, of uh, gas left. So make sure you turn around at this point, yeah. right? He's having to make another decision. Yeah. But all of that is in the quiet. Yeah. And they even capture the eyes, these pregnant pauses where you see him making the decision without saying anything. Well, and cinematically, right? beautiful as the plane is landing, the engine is out. It is quiet. It's just kind of slowly gliding. Yeah, it, it's captivating. I was deeply taken when his fuel runs out and he's literally gliding. Yeah. There is that great scene where the sailor who's down on his yacht in the boat guiding the pilot to take down one last bomber, right? Because that was what they were doing. They were taking out these bombers because these bombers were taking out these ferries and these yachts, these naval ships, right? And as he glides onto the beach, he does so with a sense of victory. Yes, but where did that victory come from? What you just spoke to, that selflessness. Mm -hmm. He could have turned back, yeah, right? But he knew that there was something greater. There was something outside of him that was calling him to do something more. That's what war is all about. Yeah, we know that. But again, if there's anything to be had about this movie Dunkirk, it is that as we think about war and war heroes, we were made to reflect about all of that within the context of the quiet. Not because the movie theater was quiet, right? right. But because the movie itself was quiet. And so we were drawn into uh, reflecting more critically about what really is behind a heroic act. And that's the interior, yes, of selflessness. Oh, yeah. And and again, this movie, in that context, it really opens up for me the great tension. And that is we see uh, in this scene the best and the worst that humanity has to offer. Mm. You know, the atrocity of it and the great heroism of it. Mm. Uh, We see uh, the this tension between um, victory and defeat, retreat and conquer. Uh, the great hero, the one who is in a sense saved a day as gliding his plane down onto the beach only to be taken, capture, a prisoner of war. He's in a sense defeated. And, and I think that this, that there is, uh, we might take from this a kind of a subtle commentary on just this kind of paradoxical quality of war. It, it is in and of itself a defeat. Yeah, and um, inside of that tension, I guess the real human question is, uh, what am I going to do with the fuel that I have in my tank? Mm-hmm. You know, in my life, um, how am I going to choose to be human? You know, in terms of uh, giving of myself selflessly for the ones who are on the beach, uh, whatever that that territory might represent in my life. I, for me, that 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 was such a, a significant. Um, takeaway, um, flying inside of that tension. Yeah. Yeah. 
you can say this movie is seen through the lenses of three different vantage points. Oh, yeah, very right? much so. Uh, one is the pilot, the other is the soldier, and the other is the, the ordinary man. Right. right. The ordinary man. And that's so important to understand that, yes, the ordinary man is involved and, and was involved during World War II. And the ordinary man in this case was the father, the son, and his friend on this. I said yacht earlier. Really, it's a, it's a sailboat going to Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Right? Remember what we talked about earlier as it relates to the real history here. Many sailboats, ferries, yachts, they were heading to Dunkirk to save all these men. This is what made Dunkirk such an extraordinary thing. Um, as they're going to Dunkirk, they come across this guy fleeing from Dunkirk who's found himself uh, on a boat uh, capsized. And, and so they save him. And he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're going to Dunkirk. No, you're not. I just came from Dunkirk. You don't want to go to Dunkirk. You want to go back home. Right. What are you thinking? And so there's the tension. Here you have a soldier who's fleeing Dunkirk, and for good reason. I, sure. I get it. Juxtaposed against this family, this father, his son, and then this friend who's heading towards Dunkirk. And he's like, we, we must go. They need us. Mm-hmm. And so you have that conflict. Are you running away from or are you running towards? Yeah. This soldier who was running away, good upstanding man, I'm sure, right? I mean, who's to say we wouldn't be that man? Yet, this movie draws out the quiet heroism of just not the, the pilot, the soldier, but also the ordinary man. And I have to say, Father Mike, as the pilot captivated me, as the soldier captivated me, the father was my favorite character. Yeah. Because he literally was the ordinary man. He didn't have to go. Yeah. And as I was putting myself in his shoes, I was asking the question, would I get in that sailboat and go to Dunkirk? Mm. Am I ready to say yes? Mm. And then I was asking all of these other questions. Yeah. Am I ready to say yes in the eye of the storm? Mm. You know, this... Uh, makes me think about how we think about peace. This whole movie uh, ought to have us thinking about how we think about peace. And by that, I mean so many of us think about peace as just the absence of warfare. When in reality, the deeper truth is peace is not just the absence of warfare, but spiritual welfare, Hmm. being in deep harmony with God. If you were to go to the Gospels, what does Jesus say? He is in the storm, and he looks into the eye of the storm and says, what? Peace, be still. Hmm. And I was made to think about that moment because, Father Mike, peace just isn't the absence of the storm. It is to be able to look into the eye of the storm and say, peace, be still. I am going to be the peace Hmm. insofar as I live in covenant harmony with God, right? Hmm. Uh, Being in relation with another, that's what brings us a deep peace. Hmm. Not to go too far off track here, but sound of music, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, we have that great scene where there's the thunder. And where do the kids want to go when there's a great storm? But to the room of Maria von Trapp. Hmm. They want to be in the company of one they know. Hmm. And so, again, I find myself asking the question, there are many storms around me. There are many uh, war fronts to be had literally and figuratively speaking, uh, am I willing to say yes insofar as I'm in relationship with God? Yeah, I like that, that sense of relationship. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm gravitating towards this sense of 
futility and heroism. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a case in point for this for me, uh, something that we haven't really touched on, on that boat, uh, when they pick up this uh, you know, uh, soldier who's kind of traumatized, they get into a bit of a wrestling match and a young boy gets pushed down the stairs uh, and he ends up dying. You know, He w- was a kind of excited to be on the boat, to be a part of something special. Uh, he gets pushed, he falls on, on like a steel piece of metal in the boat and he just dies. And uh, the movie ends with uh, him being in the paper, you know, as a hero and whatnot. And and he said, as a part of his last exchange to his buddy, I, I just want to make the newspaper. So that was, right. that was certainly something. And out. so you have, in the one sense, the futility and the senselessness of it. Uh, on the uh, in the same way, the futility of you know, gliding a plane to your capture, or whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, the ability to graft one's story onto the larger narrative, you know, mm-hmm. of victory, mm-hmm. of striving for peace, uh, the futility of our lives and the ability to graft it onto this larger story of Jesus and the, and the peace in the middle of the storm that you're talking about. Like I thought in a, in a dramatic way that that was kind of a touching point for me. Mm. Um, mm. Touching too, just the whole, uh, that whole scene and the whole idea of all of the civilian ships coming uh, to help so heroically, we, we talked about this. The uh, the admiral or whoever it is, the commander who's standing yeah, out on the yeah. on the dock when he sees these ships coming, he picks up the binoculars and he says, "What do you see?" He says, "I see home." Yeah, and such a powerful, certainly kind of resolving theme in the movie is this idea of uh, this is about fighting to get home. Mm-hmm. And this was, of course, set up throughout the movie when, on more than one occasion, the commanding officer of some naval fleet, as well as another army officer with the binoculars are looking out into the horizon. Mm-hmm. And, and they can see home. Yeah. That is, homes, buildings off in a distance, and, and they're pining for home. Yeah. And now in this great crescendo moment, as he looks out with his binoculars, he sees home coming to him. Yeah. That was powerful. Very, yeah. we've used the word before, Father Mike, eschatological. Yeah. Right, and we use that word to talk about just not the end times, but uh, when we want to talk about heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, so all that we do, if we look out into the horizon, and if we are mindful of home, then what we are in the middle of, yeah, has its reason, has its purpose, yeah, ha- has a sense of of connection, and I think that's certainly what you were talking about as it relates to the grafting. Yeah, and, and without that grafting onto this sense of home. Our, our struggle become takes a, a certain uh, feudal character. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't help but but get away from this. Uh, again, coming back to the, the question about what is the experience of watching the movie? What is its appeal? And I think we, we love a hero. It, it, it strikes this kind of valiant sense we have that I need to, to fight heroically for a cause. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this movie just... Right, right over home plate for that with us. I mean, all of these great movies have that. We see ourselves standing in front of the banner, leading the troops for some great purpose. And uh, when that purpose is not really securely grafted onto home in that eschatological sense and the sense of the truth of our lives, God, whatever, we, we find ourselves standing in front of some very, on some very ambiguous beaches, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not hard to look out and see there are so many people fighting for so many causes that are deeply believed in, certainly, but I think more deeply, there's a fundamental need just to have one. Yep, yep. Uh, we have to be kind of duking it out heroically on some beach somewhere. Yep. And my fear is that sometimes that beach 
It's just whichever beach we happen to land on. Yep. Yep. And so this need to graft that great capacity, which I believe comes from God, onto onto home. Uh, that that certainly is um, well the homing beacon for us in the ambiguity and the tension of the the battles of life that we've talked about. Yeah. God and his Trinitarian life is the first society, the first community, the first fellowship, right? Yeah. We, we were born into communion, yeah. right? And we are saved in communion. We, we have that longing. We are wired for communion. So when we are alone, we are going to find communion yeah. if we wish to survive, if, if we wish to make sense of what we belong to. And as you put it so well, Father Mike, sometimes... Uh, we just might find ourselves on a beachfront that isn't necessarily the b- beachfront that's best for us. Right. But it's a beachfront. Yeah. It's a community. Yeah. Uh, you know, here in Chico, you know, we have a large population of homeless, mm-hmm. um, and it's well documented that within the homeless community, there are many communities, mm. right? So it's just something that we find because it is a reality of who we are and, and how we are wired. We are created in the image and likeness of God, and we are wired for God, which means we are wired for community. Mm. We are wired to belong with another. Yeah. I don't know, Father Mike, if there was any other a key piece for you in watching the movie. There are many very specific scenes that one can reflect with, but again, if I just had a closing thought for our listening audience, this movie puts a spotlight on just not heroism, but a quiet heroism that will probably have you thinking more critically about the quiet yeses we are called to give. Mm, yeah, certainly. You know, that we are the ordinary person. And yet, as an ordinary person, because God has called us to great things, <laughs> we are called to give extraordinary yeses, which are found in all of our ordinary encounters of our everyday life. Yeah. And you know, speaking of to that call to holiness, we're getting into Holy Week next mm-hmm. week. And yes. uh, so we need to find a movie that's appropriate to the time. And I was thinking about this on my way over today, uh, Father Mike, and I was thinking about the passion. Ah, yeah. yeah. To talk about the passion in 27 minutes is a very difficult thing. And to some degree, I only know if you can really give it justice in, in 26, 27 minutes. But... I do think we are going to talk about the passion. Uh, we'll react to the movie. Mm-hmm. And as we do so, this will allow us to really engage what the passion narrative is all about. So would you mind closing us with a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, a God of peace, we call upon you and ask for your blessing as we contemplate uh, the call to the, uh, the thousand heroic small yeses to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.